Well, if I seem to be moving a little slower than uh, I did the last time I was here, it's because I had a birthday. <laughs> My wife said, I've been trying to get to be 80, and I finally made it on Friday, October the 13th. Now, I hope nobody is suspicious, superstitious, not suspicious, superstitious. I'm not. Um, God's been so good to me and giving me uh, 80 years of just uh, getting to know him. I was here a few weeks ago or several weeks ago. I lose track of time. And at my age, you know, everything runs together. And uh, we have to discuss what day it is, you know. We, we talk it over and, and we make plans. And... Uh, but I did mark down that I was to be here. Thank you, uh, Brother Lemon, for the invite. And uh, lots happened since I was here last. How long ago was that? Four or five weeks. See, he doesn't know either, see? You're too young for that. You shouldn't. Uh, let me get rid of this. Uh, this thing is you're going to fall, make a noise, and scare you all or wake you up or something. So... Yes, sir. Thank you. Come to my rescue. Well, that'd be fine right there. Thank you. And um, a lot has happened since we've been here. It's all good, so don't get nervous. Uh, God's been so good to us. We've been traveling. We've been preaching out uh, in Maine as well in New Hampshire. Uh, but to more than that, I, I actually found my, I woke up one morning and found myself in uh, uh, Omaha, Nebraska. And if you followed us on Facebook or me on Facebook, it's Drs. Norman and Vicki Jackson. She has her doctorate as well. But uh, I had an opportunity to go out and participate in the National Biblical Counseling Convention. I guess you call a conference. I guess is a better name for that. And uh, I've heard a lot about that. I've followed. Uh, uh, biblical counseling now for a number of years and uh, been praying and God has blessed in my pastoral ministry for over 50 years to uh, have an opportunity to help many folks, Christian, non-Christian, some to find the Lord, some in really dire straits. And, uh, uh, you know, Everybody asks me what I'm going to do now that I'm retired. I, I don't know what that word means, okay? I think I said that the last time I was here. I have no idea what it means to be retired. I started out answering, well, I'm not retired, I'm refired. Now, the fire's gone out a little bit, brother. All right, I got to admit it. It's, it's, you know, the coals are still bright and and everything is well with the Lord, but... Um, I've I, I've changed that refired thing to being redirected. I like that word redirected. And it was during this conference that God solidified some things in my life, showed me some needs that I needed. I got them, and on a Wednesday night out there of the conference, I said to the Lord, "Whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, I want to do it." For the past eight years, I've been helping pastors all over the six New England states. Whenever they've wanted to be away, maybe they wanted, maybe they were ill. I've had them call me as, as as late as early Sunday morning and ask me to come. In Maine, one Sunday, fellow woke up in the night sick, calls me bright and early Sunday morning and says, "Pastor Jackson, can you come? I I just can't go to the pulpit. I'm so sick." And uh, in about 30 minutes, Vicki and I were in the car, and we went to Maine. We spent three three services there in a little town in Bridgeton, Maine, southwestern part of the state. That's the way it's been now for the past eight years. I've also had the ministry at the Merrimack County Department of Corrections as chaplain for the past six years. Thought some of maybe having to Step down from that, possibly turn it over to another gentleman who's worked side beside me now for several years in the, with the inmates. 
But after coming back from the uh, counseling conference, I, I had no peace to stop going there. So, uh, again, a little redirection here. Uh, more importantly, I think, than what has happened in the past, I look forward, and my wife and I both are looking forward to launching a ministry called Voice of Truth Ministries. It is strictly biblical counseling. We started several weeks ago visiting with clients. Pastors were calling me and asking me if we would, be, would consider counseling uh, some of the folks from their church, couples mainly in this situation that I'm speaking of, and uh, we agreed to do that. Since then, we've had other opportunities that have come by, and, and uh, we've had the opportunity to share with them some things that I certainly honestly did not know before going out to the counseling conference. And uh, I ask that you pray that God would continue to lead us and to guide us and direct us. I still want to be available to pastors such as our churches, such as this one, if in need. Uh, I have a pastor's heart. I'm not going to lose that. Haven't lost it and uh, want to continue being a blessing as I can and encouragement to pastors and their people whenever that need arises. So just uh, be aware of that as I pursue what I'm about to say here. Uh, before we look at the message this morning, I just wanted to visit with you and share with you a little bit about where we want to take this ministry as God allows uh, of count biblical counseling. In fact, you can put it in your notes that you are the first church that I've shared this with. Don't you feel privileged? Uh, no, uh, I've not shared this. It's only with my own pastor. And uh, we're working on the logistics of it all. There's a lot of things that have to be done. It will be under the umbrella of, of, of the local church. I believe that has to be. have believed that ever since I started the pastorate. Uh, no matter what the ministry is, I believe it needs to be under the auspices of the local church. And so I have a wonderful local church, wonderful pastor, wonderful people that are behind me praying for us and have been. And um, that's, that's what's keeping us going, I believe, is those prayers. So just keep praying for us, if you would. Um, John 8, 32, Jesus said, uh, it says, ye shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth shall make you free. And that truth is Jesus, okay? And uh, John 14, 6, Jesus said to Thomas when challenged about his uh, leaving them, he said, uh, uh, Jesus said, I, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. And so it laid, uh, God laid that uh, uh, title on our heart. We were praying over what to call the ministry, and we came up with uh, uh, Voice of Truth. We want to be that voice. We want to be that help. We want to be that encourager. And uh, uh, you're going to see why we are so uh, imp uh, so passionate about this as I go into the message this morning and the, and the message of what I'm going to bring from the Word of God in a moment. But it's an exciting time. You know, we're seeing a lot happening. We're seeing some things that... Uh, you know, uh, major discussions over meals, you hear it in the marketplace, you see it everywhere. And, and we know from the scriptures that we are living in the last days. And I believe in the imminent return of Christ. Would he come even today before this service is over? It's all in the book. And I, I know from the last uh, uh, chapter of the book that uh, it's well with my soul. And I know Christ is my savior and I'm thankful that uh, for the over 60 years now that uh, he's been a part of my life. And um, we want to share that with others because our goal, I say our, my wife and my goal in this biblical counseling uh, ministry is that uh, we can see Christians and we want to encourage Christians to make some long-term changes in their life. Uh, 
it begins with, of course, salvation, and that's where we start, right on the platform. I mean, there's only one kind of counseling in this man's mind and, and in my heart, and that's biblical counseling. And unless a person is saved and understands they're lost and they need Christ as their Savior and trust him to forgive them of their sins, unless that takes place first, there's no need of even talking about biblical counseling because the Bible says it's all foolishness to them. They don't understand. The sad part is even some Christians don't understand it. And it's evident in our churches and in our ministries today as we travel and see churches and hear uh, pastors and, and, and share the pastor's burden in his heart for his people. But we want to see these long-term changes in lives and encourage them in such a way that they might glorify God in everything they say and do. That's why we're here. I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here today. I want to glorify God. I, you know, I, I appreciate the invite, appreciate the opportunity of opening the Word of God to you, but I want God to get the glory in my life and in the ministry of biblical counseling. I want to show folks how much He loves them. I can't overemphasize, however, this morning that the importance of the Holy Spirit in that ministry. And this is something that my eyes were open to, and I'll take you to the Word in a moment and share with you why I said yes to the Lord out there in Omaha, Nebraska, a wonderful little church out there. I met a man. His name is Mark Bentley. Mark Bentley's father started this church many years ago and uh, in Omaha. It is called Midwestern Baptist Church. You can Google it. You can see uh, they have live streaming and so forth. But I met a, his son who is now taking the reins of that church and uh, sponsored this uh, uh, biblical counseling conference. And um, again, it was at that conference that I personally saw some needs in my life and uh, am looking to see some uh, long-term Changes, a long-range changes in my life. It has to do with the Holy Spirit. And we sang about the Holy Spirit a little bit this morning in some of the mess some of the songs and messages of it. And and I gotta tell you something this morning that uh, it is a what what I was lacking when I went out there was uh, a a a spirit filled walk rather than a dual, a do walk. Now, I've been a pastor for a lot of years, and I've been doing a lot of things. You know, we, we had a Christian school. We, we had a, a very successful Christian school. We had a bus ministry. We had a church. We had a youth program. That's where it started. Actually, my ministry started in a fire station up, upstairs dealing with about 20 young people in a town that didn't have the gospel. That's how uh, my ministry started and God put me in the, in the pulpit in that town for three years. And so um, it was at that time that, you know, I was just doing, 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 doing. Now God tried to get my attention one day. I had at that time a, a, a young uh, boy, our first son, and Stephen had to have been about five years old. I think he may have started kindergarten. I'm not sure of the exact dates and all of this, but I remember him coming to me one night, and I've been out knocking on doors all the time. I've been, I've been preparing messages for three services in the church that they had asked me to take because they didn't have a pastor in that town. Uh, and I was doing and doing and doing. And guess what? He said to me, Daddy, where are you going tonight? And right there, it was like God stuck a knife in my heart. Stephen needed me. And I wasn't there. I understand this. I did not go out that night. I went to my office upstairs in an old, old house. And I sat behind my desk in a little small room. And I said, God, forgive me. I had my priorities messed up. I was spending more time in the church than I was with that little boy and that girl sitting right there. And that night I said, you know what, God, it's you first. It's her second. 
It's that little boy third. And it's the church fourth. Really? How could you say that? You were called to be a preacher. When I got my priorities right, God first, first second, that little boy came third in my life. The church took care of itself. And it always will. I learned a lesson. And since then, I'm still learning. And I want to encourage others in this matters of being what God wants us to be rather than doing. Doing is important. And it speaks about it in the word. That we're to be doers of the word, not just hearers only. But we have to understand being is more important than doing. And so this morning, as we continue in the message, I want us to, uh, I just want you to uh, help us by praying for us and that we'll get God's direction. And, and uh, I, I want it to be of God. Um, I believe I've learned a lot of things in the years since being a Christian. September 6, 1961, I trusted Christ as my personal Savior. And I've made a lot of mistakes. I've made a lot of mistakes, even in the ministry. And God's been a very loving, forgiving God, and he's always been there when I've gone and said, I'm sorry, God. And I have the assurance that he's forgiven me for things, some things that I should have done and didn't, and some things I shouldn't have done and did. Please pray for Vicki and me as we launch out in this new endeavor. We want to be a help. We want to be a blessing. I'm asking you just to pray that God would accomplish his will in our lives and most of all be glorified as we seek to encourage and help others through voice of truth, biblical counseling ministry. Take your Bibles this morning, please, and let's turn to the book Turn to the book this morning of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be reading verse 16, or I'll read to you verse 16 through verse 26. We'll be looking at some other passages. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. I need to get a little hanky out here. Didn't mean to take the whole box, sir. Ephesians chapter 6, I want to speak this morning on a positive response to the Holy Spirit. The ministry that I sat under for a week, the teaching that I sat under for one week there in Omaha, Nebraska, the homework that I had to do every night into the wee hours, was proof to me that there was a need in my life that I needed to share with others and encourage others and as a, as a part of the biblical uh, counseling. Uh, I want to encourage people in the matters of walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. And so here in Ephesians chapter 5, get over here with you. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, notice the word of God says this, Be ye therefore followers of God, dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. But fornication, this is beginning in verse 1 now, we're going to read down through, keeping it in context, he says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore partakers, uh, be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness, 
But now are ye light in the Lord, walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are none of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. We sang about that in one of our songs this morning. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, notice, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and and uh, hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let it be wives be their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Notice back up there in uh, verse uh, uh, 18, it says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. Lord, I thank you for these dear people who have uh, seen it right to be in this place of worship. We we thank you for your precious promises of the word of God. And, and as it says, where two or three are gathered in your name, you are in our midst. And Lord, that we're not to forsake of ourselves with others together of like precious faith. But Lord, I pray that you're You'd be glorified today in all that has been said so far and done. And, and Lord, even through me this morning, I pray, Father, that you'd only let me speak the words, Lord, that you would be glorified with. And Lord, you'd help me today to, to have a clarity of thought and mind as I seek to convey a need, Lord, I believe, that is in the life of every Christian here. And Father, if there be one in our midst this morning that knows not the Lord Jesus, may today be that day of salvation. Lord, may today, Father, they find a, a joy and a peace that they've been searching for. Thank you that you brought each one here today. Have your will and way and all is accomplished. And Lord, I'll thank you and praise you for what you're going to do now. In Jesus' name, amen. The last time I was here, I gave you a little, uh, a bit of my background and my testimony, and I won't go into it all this morning, but I do want to kind of put a, a, a little PS on the end of that testimony from last time I was here. And, and uh, this is this is what God has been dealing with with me now for uh, many many years, if you want to call it that. And and uh, when I got first got saved, you got to understand in uh, September 6, 1961, the charismatic movement was just running rampant on the west uh, on the West Coast. My wife is from California, and I never held that against her. I was glad God sent her all the way over to South Carolina, and we. We uh, had the privilege of getting to know each other by means of our our, uh, our work. She was a staff assistant. I was a student at the time. And so we didn't really get to know each other because it was not allowed to date uh, staff or staff assistant or faculty if you were a student. But I worked that out. Or I shouldn't say I. God worked it out. And uh, one day I showed up at the hospital where she was working because I was asked to be the ambulance driver. And uh, she 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 recalls to everybody how I was standing there at the filing cabinet, and uh, she saw this guy, and boy, she just ooh, he's a good one. She didn't know I was thinking, ooh, she's a good one. And uh, we weren't really looking for mates, or at least I I wasn't. I had dated much in my college years before I met her, and uh, but we got to know each other well by working together. See, that's how you, that's how God does things. You know, I couldn't date her. 
until I graduated. And so uh, uh, we were very patient. We had the, we had a, a, a good relationship. And then I get the I get the invite to go down to the Amazon River to be with a missionary down there with another nurse and her and the other nurse's younger brother. And that's where we got engaged. And then get, came home. We're married, and the rest is history. What for? Fifty-seven years this Christmas, twenty-seven. Fifty-seven years, December twenty-seven. Uh, we will have been married, have uh, four beautiful children and seven uh, grandchildren and three now, one just born recently, uh, great grandchildren. We have a little boy, an Alaskan boy up there. And, uh, and by the way, praise God, they've been with us all week long. We've had a whole family to celebrate my 80th birthday. It's been special. It's been so special. I mean, we haven't been together for years and years. And we have four, uh, three sons and a daughter and their families, and we were all together this week. And now they're starting to disappear and go back into their own environments, but it's been so good. But I want to come back to that salvation experience as, again, the charismatic movement was just running rampant. And as everything seems to blow from the west to the east, so does religion or so does uh, Christianity and so forth. And, and uh, we kind of got caught up in that. In 1961, uh, we started seeing it. I went to college, and like I have found, a lot of other, a lot of other colleges besides mine had the same idea. And that was... We don't want the charismatic beliefs in our in our school, and rightly so. All right, now I'm a brand new Christian now. Okay, in fact, I got saved there in college the third night. That was September 6, 1961. And many colleges I have learned since that time, including my own, because of not wanting to be overwhelmed with the charismatic movement cause confusion amongst its students it didn't teach us a whole lot about the Holy Spirit the indwelling of the Holy Spirit yes the night I bowed my knee in the green room of Bob Jones University and gave my life to Christ I was I was told and taught through Bible classes there that I had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God but because of all of it was going on around through the charismatic movement, that's about all I can remember learning through the teachings. And I'm not, I, I, I'm not upset about it. I, I just know that as I started as a pastor, I learned a lot about the Holy Spirit that I never got in the four years of being at college. And I'm still learning. And there's a whole lot more to learn. I found that out just a few weeks ago in Omaha, Nebraska. When I, when I came to realize that most Christians don't understand much about the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not talking about the way yippity yappity, hallelujah, running around, biting the dogs and dogs biting people and people falling over dead or asleep or whatever. No, I'm not talking about that. Okay, don't, please don't get ahead of me here. <laughs> I'm not here to talk about speaking in tongues and all of this stuff. No, no. I understood that. kind. I did understand about tongues and being taught in Bible class and so forth, being the foreign language that it was. And I, growing as a Christian now, I was hungry. I was hungry, but for the past 50 plus years, almost 60 years now, I've some things I have learned that I want to share. And I developed a walk with God. It comes through desiring a personal, passionate, intimate relationship with the Lord. And that's when we become teachable. We can't do it on our own. We need every bit of help we can get from him. 
And thus I keep looking and searching the word and, and wanting to know uh, about him. There was a void in my preaching as I started preaching, not knowing and not knowing how I, were to, how I was to walk necessarily with the Lord, as the Bible teaches, a spirit-filled walk. As I said, I was doing. I was doing and doing and doing and doing to the point where I, wait a minute now, something's missing. You know, you kind of burn out when something's missing, Brother Rom. I got to tell you something. And I burned out. I burned out. There was times when I was ready just to quit. How do you think God wanted me to quit? No, he called me to preach and to teach. And we had a Christian school. And this blessed lady here worked 10 years for no remuneration whatsoever just to see these children. We were doing and doing and doing and doing for God. And I wish I had known what I'm going to tell you this morning. It's not doing so much as it is being. Being. Do you notice this verse here, 16? And be not drunk with wine where it isn't in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Wow. I got to tell you, the average Christian today in our fundamental, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Churches do not understand what I'm talking about. Now, I'm not here with a whip. I'm not here to change anybody's philosophies. But I want to tell you something. The Word of God is so clear about this matter of walking in the Spirit and what it means to the believer. So I want us to understand this morning, and I'm convinced, and I think you probably got that by now. I'm convinced this morning that the lack of understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer has caused and is causing and will continue to cause chaos in Christian families, mom and dad relationship, mom and dad children relationship and it's even in our churches today because of an, a lack of understanding of simple bible basic doctrinal truth in the matters of what it means to walk in the spirit without an intimate personal passionate relationship with the holy spirit my bible says a person is out of fellowship with god that's a serious place to be, people. You know, we may try to cover it up. We may try to just say, you know, it's, I don't want to get too fanatical about this thing now. And that's just the devil. That's just the devil. You cannot get fanatical about being filled with the Holy Spirit and recognizing that need. Every Christian needs to understand that's all that God is looking for. We try to take plans. I have done this before. I am guilty before God this morning that I've taken plans and I, I have thought they were from God, but I went ahead and did them, never really checking in with him and understanding that maybe that's not what I should do in the ministry. It's a price to pay. Just bear that in mind. But let me say that we can never have an intimate, personal, passionate relationship with God unless we're born again, number one. That's impossible. That's impossible. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, listen, please, I encourage you today to, to seek someone that can show you from the gospel how you can be 100% sure that if you died today that you'd be in heaven. I've had people who have laughed at that, walked out, Never seen the sunrise the next day. And today they're in eternity, they're in an eternity in hell. What a sad state to be. And there's no reason for that. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And God loves you this morning. 
If you're here without Christ in your life, don't leave without talking to somebody about it. I'm happy to sit down with the Bible and show you how you can know 100%. If you died today, you'd be in heaven. But once you settle that matter of salvation in your life, just remember you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. What an amazing thing. What an amazing thing. The third personage of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And that's why God promised that he would come. That we would have him in our lives. Do you realize that in the New Testament, there are 16 positive. Now there are some negatives, but there are 16 positive responses to the Holy Spirit. Three of them are commands. Oh, you didn't have to go there, Pastor Jackson. Oh, yes, I do. Three of them are commands. The Bible is full of commands, but three of them deal with the Holy Spirit. Out of the 16 of them, three of them deal with the Holy Spirit. Of those 16, Three of them are commands. That is an imperative. Let's just look at them. I'm not going to develop them for time's sake this morning, but let's just look at them. I'm going to give you the references. You can do your homework for me. Today would be a great day to do it. But the first one I call your attention to is in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. We have the story of the, uh, the accounts of the seven churches in there. And the first one is the, the church of Ephesus. Ephesus, and that's in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. And the first command that we have of the Holy Spirit, of the commands, or three commands, is Revelation 2, 7. And it says in Revelation 2, 7, Hear ye him. All seven churches finish, conclude with the letter, of, of the letter, with hear the Spirit. Hear him. The second command is in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. We just read it. Verse 5, uh, uh, verse 18, chapter 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. Understand, folks, that's a, that, that is a command. It's not if I want to be. It is an imperative. It is imperative that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, according to the Word of God. And the third one of the 16 references or responses to the Holy Spirit is found in Galatians chapter, um, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 25. Galatians 5, 25, verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 25 says, Walk in Him. Okay? So now we got it settled the importance of being saved. We got in the, we got important we got it settled of, of the fact that the Holy Spirit indwells us as a Christian. And now we have three commands here. And then that wasn't just for the church of Ephesus, it was for the church of Laodicea, or Thyatira, it was all seven times it says at the end. Hear him. Hear what the Spirit saith. That's why it's so important. You know, God has a way of getting things across, and it's called repetition. And if you're a teacher, you know that repetition is the key to learning, is it not? <laughs> when you get to be 80, you've got to know it's just repetition, 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 and still hard to get sometimes. We have a good time with that. Uh, we have had it. I mean, she's, she's been joking with me about being 80 years old. I'm excited about being 80 years old. Can you tell? Yeah. I'm not done yet. I don't know what a rocking chair life is. I don't want to know. There's too much to do and too little time to do it. That's my philosophy. All right? Now, follow me. We have to hear the Spirit. We have to be filled with the Spirit. And we have to... Get down with the shoe leather, hits the road, and walk in the Spirit. 
I'm very simple when it comes to preaching. I don't dive very deep. I put the cookies on the bottom shelf. But you know what walking is all about? It's just putting one foot in front of the other. Now, it gets harder as you get to be 80. But I don't remember when I first started walking. But I've raised four children, and I've watched them when they first take that first step, sister. You know, I watched little August. That's my little boy up in Alaska. He's my little Alaskan. And August is nine months old now, and he's just starting to pull himself up. You know what I mean, don't you, Brother Rob? Yeah, getting up. And then he puts his foot forward. I remember Stephen. Some of you may have known Stephen from Trinity. If you're from Trinity, you know Steve was there. And we were, we were coming across country. We were on deputation for going back to South America. And we were visiting a house. And there was a coffee table out in front of the divan. And, and little Stephen, uh, uh, he wasn't quite one year old, he pulled himself up and he started walking. And, you know, Daddy said, come on, Steve. Come on, you can do it, Steve. And he took a couple of steps and boom, right on his face, boom. Come back up again or try to get back up again and take another step. And sooner or later, it all comes into play. Yeah. I'm running an analogy here of a Christian. When we get saved, I've taken many a trip by falling. We take baby steps as a Christian. The Bible talks about it. Milk of the word before the meat. Yeah, we aren't capable of handling that. But our walk with the Lord begins just like a physical walk begins. We're not sinless. Just because you're saved this morning here, we're not sinless. We are capable of falling. And if you haven't fallen, Praise God. But we're capable of it, folks. The Bible says we're to walk. How? In the Spirit. It ought to be just as natural to walk in the Spirit as it is for us once we get to be adults. Now, I'm past that point, okay? <laughs> I, I have to use the cane. But I still put one foot in front of the other, and I can still stay up. Praise God. I, I thank God every morning when I get out of bed that I can at least stand up and I can put one foot in front of the other. But it's serious when we stop and think about this being a command. God is commanding me to walk in his spirit. And there's a reason. We're going to get to that in a moment. Some things seem to be more difficult than others and some people have trouble and and. Here's the issue that comes into play spiritually as we seek to walk in the Spirit. We still have the issue of lust. Now, when I say lust, I'm not just talking about sensual lust. The world, that's the only kind of lust the world identifies with. Did you know that? It's a sexual lust, a lusting after sexually. Do you realize that in this book you hold in your lap this morning, there are 82 different lusts? 82 different lusts. Now, with that in mind, here we are, born again, indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You think we still lust? Absolutely. It is said that we have with us most of the time at least three of the 82 lusts at one time. Woo, watch out. I, I wish I could develop it a little bit more and share some light on some of these lusts just to get your mind off in the world's interpretation of one lust. My Bible says the lust, and that's that lust is plural. The lust of the flesh. Lust, plural. It's got an S on the end of it. And then a little later on, it says lust, L-U-S-T. No plural. No S. Not plural. 
It's singular. Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 16, notice the verb, the, the, the verb walk. It is in the present tense. That means continually walking presently in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. And it says if we do that, we will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. That's the only way. The only way to walk victoriously for the Lord and to glorify God is to be walking in the Spirit as naturally as it is to breathe. We shouldn't have to think about, well, am I walking with the Spirit or not? And we get that from the Word of God as we continue to dwell in the Word and apply the Word and trust God and pray. It ought to be as natural as walking physically. And it says we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Quickly moving on this morning, I want us to see here the definition of lust so that it helps you to understand what we're talking about when it's talking about not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, the flesh because we're walking in the Spirit. Let me give you the dictionary definition, first of all, of the noun, lust. There's several. You can choose one or write it down if one kind of hits you just right. Lust as a noun is a longing desire, calmer, eagerness to process, to process or enjoy. Number two, the noun, concupiscence, carnal appetite, unlawful desire or carnal pleasure, that's worldly pleasure. Definition three, evil propensity, depraved affections and desires. Those are all the noun lust. The verb lust, first of all, is to desire eagerly, to long after. Second uh, definition, to have carnal desire, to desire eagerly the gratification of carnal appetite. That's the appetite of the world, people, the things of the world. And don't Sit here and tell me that you aren't tempted and drawn to those things. You can't turn the TV on. You can't walk down the street and look around. But what we could be very easily drawn. I mean, the devil knows what he's doing. Listen, the devil can't get your mind. But I'll tell you what, he knows how to disrupt your character. And he knows how to rob your joy and keep you from serving God. See, before you were saved, his job was to keep you unsaved. But now, if you're sitting here a born-again Christian this morning, his all-out energy is going into you fulfilling the lust of the flesh. He'll challenge you before the sun sets tonight. He's already challenged you. Are you sensitive to it? Do you understand how? One thing I see in my churches that I've visited, and I don't, I'm not judging these churches. I'm just saying I think they just need some education in some of these areas. They really do. Because, again, it's the most lacking and only way, as far as I'm concerned, to see a glorifying of God is through the walking of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. But a lot of people in our churches today have been told, don't do this, don't do that, do this, do that. And they've never been told, never have been told how not to do something or how to do it. Let me give you another, another statistic in winding up things here this morning. Listen to me carefully. I learned when I was out in Omaha, Nebraska, that 85% of children brought into this world, taken to Sunday school, 
grew up in a good independent fundamental Baptist church, 85% of those children never, never go on to serve the Lord. I ran this by my children this week. Now, I'm not talking about missionarying or pastoring or Christian school teaching. I'm talking about sitting under the teaching of the Word of God and working in a local church and, 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 and being excited about soul winning and that kind of thing, okay? Don't, don't misunderstand. Please don't misunderstand. And I'm not judging anybody, but that's a known fact that 85% never go on to serve the Lord. I see it in my own church. I got to tell you something. When I was out there and I, I heard that statistic, I can't quite say it this morning yet, when I saw that, I said, whoa. And I had a flashback of my church. And I saw the children there. We have a lot of children at Granite State Baptist Church now. And I, I said, I wonder how many of these are going to be a number in that, that statistic. God forbid. But it's the parents' responsibility to be walking in the Spirit and to be helping them to understand what worship is and what prayer is and what Bible reading with and developing an intimate, personal, passionate relationship with the Lord. That's the only thing that's going to keep them on track and serving the Lord. A good example is I, I, I have a real burden for Alaska since my boy is up there and and I've had several trips up there, and I've done about everything you can imagine up there, and flying and fishing and bear viewing and all of that stuff. My heart was broken this past summer when I was up there just for a week. I only was up there a week. I usually go for two. But her health conditions, I felt like I needed to be with her more than up there having a good time. And I enjoy being with my family up there. It's a time when I can connect with them and find out how God is working in their lives and spend time in the Word with them. But my heart is broken for Alaska, and I've been praying about missions up there and for missionaries, and I've been actually on the phone a lot since I uh, got back this past summer uh, wanting to know if there's any opportunities up there to work and help. And when I'm up there, try to do something. I mean, my boy has the transportation. I have no problem going by boat or airplane or whatever to wherever I have to go. And I'm still praying that... Next time I go up, and I don't know when that will be, if it will be this summer, praise the Lord. If not, then whenever. But that's why this pin is on my lapel today. This is a beaver. Now, if you don't know what airplanes, this is just a, 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 a an airplane that they use up there. It's called a beaver. It's an eight-passenger plane, and it, uh, now Scott, our son up there, has turbos. He used, to, he used to have just the props, but then he went to turbo airplanes because it gets people out into the wilderness quicker. And I said, Lord, I want I want to go out and help a missionary out there. There's got to be a missionary that needs to hear what I'm hearing, what I'm preaching to you folks today. This is hot off the press, folks. This is the first time I've ever thought about preaching this message. So I'm sorry if you are offended in any way or you don't like it or, you know, just do what you want with it. It's God's word. I can't get away from it. My heart's burdened. And I want to see Christians being what God wants us to be. I want to be one. I don't know how much longer, but I want to be one. But I'm looking, and lo and behold, last week I found a man up there. Has anybody here ever heard of a man by the name of Mark, M-A-R-K, Bach, B-A-C-H? Okay. I don't know how I got an email from him, but I got an email. And he started talking about his ministry. And his ministry as a missionary up there in a remote his missionary is to remote villages with the gospel now, we don't have very many missionaries up there scott's telling me you know homer is overrun with churches but nobody's out there in the in the bush taking the gospel to them so i i got it really hardened and burdened when i was up there this time that i can be a help to somebody somehow while i'm up there and it will not be all play. Well, God opened this door. This man is over in Tyla, Tyla, Alaska. A village of 80 people. <laughs> and he uses that as his base. 
They have 15 natural born to their family children. 15 of them. That's you. Got your own church. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 13, 14, 15. Sorry. I mean, 1, 2, 3. 15. You got your own church. But Mark Bach, B A C H, is committed to getting the gospel as quickly as possible to the remote villages of Alaska. Three of us, three or four, four of his sons, I think, now are adult age, and the rest of them travel. They call it Wilderness Chapel, and they'll travel wherever it takes them to go to take the gospel. And uh, my heart just did flip-flops. I called him. We had an hour conversation on the phone just sharing our backgrounds, our faith and stuff. And, I, and, I, and I've been on my knees praying for the souls of Alaska in his behalf. And others, I was looking at your board. You need to have an Alaskan missionary come by here. Maybe maybe Mark Bach, although he's, you know, it's unlikely we'll see him here in New England right off. But he said, you know, he would certainly check in with me. And I said all that to say this. I want to impress upon you something this, this afternoon here, this morning still. I want to impress upon you the importance of seeking God's will in the matters of the Holy Spirit in your life. How, when was the last time you actually thought about the Holy Spirit before I started preaching this morning? Only you know that. I'm not asking for any commitment from you. I just know that God has burdened my heart this week. And, and since coming back from, and this is just the tip of the iceberg, I, I just, could, I could preach for hours how God worked in this man's heart. Wednesday night, um, i got to do the date here. Let's see, I left out of here on the uh, 11th, 23rd. I think Wednesday night may have been the 13th or the 14th. I heard a message that challenged my heart to just surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And I'll tell you what, I gotta, I'll make a confession right here. It's been a long time since I gave him a thought. Or thought about him. Okay? We get so busy doing, don't we? We get so busy uh, serving and doing all of this and and all caught up in the world is starting to turn faster and faster and faster and faster and it's almost impossible to think about what's going on. We lose track of time so easy now. And we joke about it, but it's not a joke. I mean, it's reality. But I want to I want to press upon your mind a very important point, and that is the walking in the Holy Spirit means when the Holy Spirit speaks, and if he's in your heart, he's going to be talking to you. You better be listening. Now, I'm not talking about audible speaking. I'm talking about you will know when he speaks. But walking in the Spirit is nothing more than when he speaks, you do. You move. Could be a call to conviction. Could be called, maybe he's trying to teach you his will. What about a certain issue? But he's speaking, people. He's alive in you this morning, if you're saved. And if not, he wants to be. He wants to quicken your dead spirit. If you're here without Christ today, and you trust Christ to forgive you of your sin, he indwells you, and he lives there for the purpose. He's the master teacher. Remember that. You're not going to get it from me or from Brother Rob or from the uh, Wetzel brothers here. You're not going to get it from them, from the Word. You're going to get it from the Holy Spirit. That's when it really clicks. And we're messengers. Yeah. When we're, and that's my responsibility to share what I've shared with you this morning. But it's saying... When the Holy Spirit speaks, saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Or some people in New England say, yep. Yeah. That's mean, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, God. That's right. That's what he wants to hear. And I'll tell you what, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. The peace of God passes all understanding. 
I can't explain it. When I came back, I shared this with my wife, and I'm still sharing it with her in our times of devotion. There's a contrast here I want you to see in closing in uh, Galatians. Go over with me, if you will, chapter 5. We'll close out with this. I know I've probably gone over time, but I want to share with you something here quickly. In Galatians chapter 5, I want us to look at a couple of verses. I want us to see a contrast here. That will help you. That will help you. Galatians chapter 5. And by the way, long-term change comes through the fours. Philippians 4, Galatians 4, and Ephesians 4. If you want your homework, you read those four, those four books. And it'll show you exactly what I've been talking about here this morning. And please don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of anybody. I mean, I was challenged when I came back to my church in Maine from California one time. I was challenged about this charismatic movement. It didn't scare me one bit. I didn't know a whole lot then. We'd only been married to, uh, uh, probably five, uh, I mean, not married, but we'd probably been married, yeah, probably married six, seven years, and we had uh, two children. And we were out there visiting, and, man, I saw it firsthand, and I just, it wasn't right. No question about it. That was the Holy Spirit. No, that's not right. What I saw was not right. So we don't need to run from it or be afraid of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives or especially walking in the Spirit. But look at Galatians chapter 5, first of all, verse 19. Just a couple of verses and we'll go to the house. Verse 19 says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And he goes down through them all. You can read them. You've had them read to you before. But you see these, all of these, all the way down through verse 21, you see the, the, the works of the flesh. Now look at the contrast, if you would, in verse 22. But, but, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. If I would actively walk in the Spirit, and if you would actively leave this place today, wanting to walk in the Spirit of God, let me tell you something. I'd not be producing the work of the flesh. We don't have to. We don't have to. But rather, I'd be walking in the Spirit and here's the twofold results. Number one, I'd not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And number two, I would have victory over the flesh and be producing fruit. The fruit right there. Love, joy, peace. It's not magical, not mystical. It's not hidden. God wrote it right here. This is what would happen. And you wonder why Christians don't, because they're entertaining one of the 82 lusts of the flesh. Not rocket science, I use that a lot. So in closing, I just want to impress upon your mind this morning, the very important point, that as we walk in the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We will produce the fruit of the Spirit. And our life will be a life of peace, not chaos. When I go into a home or I counsel with, with couples as we're counseling right now, and their home is upside down because they're entertaining the lust of the flesh. They're not walking in the Spirit. God help you today. That's my prayer. I hope I could have been an encouragement for you just to Look to Him, trust Him, believe in Him, learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. He's there for you. He's right there in your life, in your heart, in you. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. I think we're going to have a closing hymn, brother, in a minute. Is that right? Okay.
I just want to ask God's blessing on our time in closing. Father, Lord, I've tried the best I know how to help these people and to encourage them, Lord, in you and your word. Lord, there's so much we need to know more and so much more that I've received that I'd like to share, but I want to want them to know, Lord, that I'm concerned for this little church and I want them to understand, Lord, the love that you have for each one of us and that, Lord, that as we just seek to walk in, in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives, and may it be so natural, Lord, that it'll just be amazing to the world that, Lord, we can have such peace and joy and love as you uh, give us as we walk in your Spirit, Lord, the, the fruit that, we've, that we uh, uh, demonstrate. We thank you for that today. Lord, bless anyone to hear this morning that's not saved. Lord, help them to realize that's the first step of, of being able to walk in the Spirit is to be saved and to know for certain, uh, Lord, of their eternal destination with you someday. And, Father, we'll be careful to praise you in all that you do and say.